Hey guys, welcome to today's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast. I'm really excited about today's guest, um, Jerry Dugan, and he's got a very interesting story, a very empowering, powerful story, and he's a work-life balance leader, and he's going to talk to us about the importance of life is too short to live stuck in a rut. We're going to talk about servant leadership, uh, employee dissatisfaction, choosing happiness, five F's can be a great discussion. So Jerry, welcome. Dr. Lou, thank you. I'm excited. Yeah. All my friends call me Chris, so please do the same. Um, I'm in the club. <laughs> and uh, yeah, tell people about your story, how you got started, and um, you know, we'll delve right into it. Yeah. Uh, so I was born and raised as an army brat. So my dad was in the army for 20 years. He met my mom when he was stationed in Thailand many, many moons ago. So many years ago. Uh, And yeah, I always had my mom like ingrained in me. You're going to, you got to get good grades. You got to, you know, go to medical school. You're going to become a doctor. Now her perception of what wealth and success looked like in America was very much limited to military life. So the thing she was pouring into me was uh, from her culture, I got to be a doctor. That's success. Um, And you got to be an army officer because that's where the real money is made in America. Uh, Started to realize as I became an adult, that's not true at all. (laughs) So uh, first in my family to do not just go to college, but graduate college. Uh, but after four and a half years realized, gosh, I'm not getting into medical school with a 2.1 GPA. Uh-huh. And I just did a pretest on the MCAT and it's going to be brutal. What have I done with my last four and a half years? I had no money left, not going to med school. And I realized, gosh, I need to do something to make up for it. And I remember talking with a physician out of, I think, Stanford University, just really neat guy. Let me kind of shadow him in his office for a day. And he said, you know, if, if you don't have the grades, it's fine. I mean, you know, schools like Stanford are looking at the whole person. Uh, if you can pick up experience, like as a nurse or an EMT for a few years, take a few classes, come out with an A and show that you've matured since your undergrad years, some schools will take you in. But I mean, your MCAT's got to be there too. And I was like, yeah, cool. Um, so that's how I joined the army. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the one thing my dad said not to do was, he, it was like, do whatever you want in life, just don't ever join the army. And if you do, please join as an officer. And I remember I enlisted as a combat medic, uh, going in as an E4, a specialist. And I called my dad, I'm like, dad, I joined the army. Dead silence. <laughs> He's trying to find a way to be supportive, but already I could tell from the silence, he is not happy with my decision. Uh, and so he asked, so are you going in as an officer since you're graduating from college? No, dad, I'm going in enlisted just like you. More uh, silence. <laughs> so I wound up joining the army. I, I served four and a half years. I, that seems to be the, the round number for me. It's not four or five, four and a half seems to be that, that number for me. Um, and so during that time in the army, I um, served on a deployment to Kosovo. I was with third uh, infantry division when we did the invasion of Iraq, uh, got, more than enough experience than, than I was looking for, but started to realize, gosh, is medicine really the thing I want to do? And uh, I got out of the army, realized, you know, when people started telling me how I got the awards I got, I was like, oh, I'm not surviving another deployment. I got to get out. Uh, and so I got out, wanted to be closer to my family. And that was the, that was the, the, the thing was um, while I was deployed in Iraq, getting very supportive letters from family telling me, hey, don't worry, we're taking care of your family for you. And it was that phrase, for you. It, it just 
it hit me like a, a dagger in the heart in a sense. And it was like, why is that bothering me? You know, my family's taken care of. My my kids are in good hands with the aunts and uncles and cousins uh, back there in Corpus Christi, Texas. So why is this making And uh, that's when it started to sink in. As much as I love the Army, as much as I love deploying, as much as I love this adventure, it's not worth missing my family. And uh, so before we even got back to the States, I, I started to decide I'm getting out. And... Uh, but I need to have this discussion with my wife because, you know, we're, we're in a vacuum here communication wise. And so when I'm back in the States, if I make it, we got to have this discussion. And, and so we got back, we talked about it. She said, yeah, if you feel that's best, go ahead and get out, got out, became a civilian, moved to Corpus Christi, Texas. And my first job out of the army was doing uh, corporate training. So orientation for new employees, being a liaison for a, a health science program uh, of high schoolers doing rotations in the hospital. And this is about two years after I get out of the army, I'm laying in bed after the day after Christmas. And I realize, holy cow, I just survived a war to put myself in the rat race. What is going on here? And I uh, just had, a, I don't know if it's a panic attack, but I just realized I got to do something different. And so I spent that whole day just writing out, what do I want my life to be like when it, when it's over, what will my family have said about me? What will they not have said about me? Uh, what do I hope they don't say about me? What does that life look like? And it started to take shape of, I wanted to be a dad who was present, which was always my goal in my life. I wanted to be a husband who was there for my wife that would nurture her, that would support her. Uh, we wouldn't be butting heads. We'd be on the same team and you know, money would be great. However, that's not, the focus of my life. Like I'm not going to measure my success based off my net worth. I'm going to measure my life off of, um, you know, what kind of relationship do I have with my kids, grandkids? And if I live long enough, great grandkids. And, um, that was probably in, yeah, in 2005 going into 2006, probably the first time since I was 14 years old, where I really truly sat down and, and cast a vision for my life, which I was well overdue because it turned out at, 30 years, almost 30 years old, I had surpassed uh, everything I had set out to do when I was 14. So, yeah, yeah, very interesting. I, lo I love this idea. And, um, you know, trust me, you know, it's really interesting because we, we hustle, like, we hustle and we try to, like, get into these, like, Ivy League and professions. And you're just, and you're just, like, hustling to, to enter into this rat race, as you discussed. And uh, this, you talk about really interesting is um, this thing is, um, one thing is, um, I mean, you have a quite a bit of um, interest. So, living beyond the rut and three steps to getting out of your rut. Yes. Uh, so, R U T. Uh, one of my bucket <laughs> list items uh, ever since I started the show with two friends of mine back in 2015 uh, was the show that would inspire men to uh, create a life worth living in their faith, family, and career. So, how do you have all those buckets? Uh, find success. Like, how are they all one and the same? How are you the same, whether you're at work or at home? Uh, you know, what does success look like for you? Like going back to that, um, you know, why was I a pre-med student who <laughs> uh, got a 2.1 GPA, but I would tutor people in my own classes that I was failing. So they would mm. get an A or a B on the next <laughs> exam. And my faculty advisor's like, this guy clearly does not want to be a doctor. He's here because <laughs> somebody else told me how to be here. Um, and so, yeah, fast forward to 2006 when I'm writing out that uh, vision plan, but also just 
a few months back when I published my book, Beyond the Rut, uh, based on the show, based on the lessons learned from the show, this framework emerged. Um, so you got to know your rut to get out of and live beyond the rut. And, and so rut as a framework, R-U-N-T, the R stands for recognize the rut that you're in. So if you got all the boxes checked of what success is supposed to look like, but you feel like you're not living that life of uh, significance, you feel like you're leaving the wrong kind of legacy, chances are you're stuck in a rut. It's those repetitive actions that aren't being productive for the kind of life you envision. Uh, so recognize that rut, like, Hey, I feel like I'm in a rut, but what is that rut? You know, why do I feel stuck? Is it because I always have more month left over than, than money? Or is it because I'm in a job that I totally hate? Uh, or, uh, is it the commute is, you know, is there something taking away family time? Is it the family relationships, whatever it is? Um, you know, the, these five pillars that we would talk about in the early days of beyond the rut, the, the podcast would be, uh, your faith your family, your fitnesses, your finances, uh, your fitnesses. I never pluralized that before. <laughs> so physical fitness as well as emotional or mental fitness. Uh, but anyway, finances and then your future. So uh, again, uh, faith, family, fitness, finances, future possibility. And so what does your life look like in those five buckets or pillars? Um, and if you take a deep dive into those five, you'll realize, oh, wow, I'm stuck in a rut here. It's, it's with my family. It's with my outlook on future. Okay, why? Where where is that coming from? And so once you understand where you are, just like on a backpacking trip where I'm going backpacking in a couple of weeks, um, so I got to remember how to read a map, read a trail, follow the correct signs and all those things. But I need to know where I am now so I know what direction I'm going in. Uh, so what, once I know what rut I'm in, recognize my rut, I can now go to the second phase of this framework, and that's understand where I want to go what are the goals I want to achieve? Why do I want to achieve them? Uh, what am I going to feel once I get there? Uh, you know, what are the milestones to get there? All those things, but creating goals that have meaning for you, not because somebody told you you needed to do it. Like my mom told me I was going to be a doctor. I didn't want to be a doctor. It, it turns out I had a different gift. I had, you know, different, um, things that, that I'm passionate about. Um, you know, I've got one friend, every time people get together and create goals, this guy comes out of the woodwork and says, yeah, we should all do the cold shower challenge. Uh -huh. And you know, the first three or four times he said this, I fell for it. I would, I'd be like, yeah, I'm on day seven of the cold water, uh, the cold shower challenge. It is cold. It sucks. Why are we doing this? And then the guy who came up with it was like, oh man, I haven't done that yet. It's like, it was your idea. And <laughs> I started to find out he only brought that up because he heard somebody like Jocko Willink say it, or somebody like you know, David Goggins, you know, these Navy SEALs. And because they do it, he was like, we got to do this. This is the manly thing to do. And it's like, so this isn't even your goal. You saw some tough guy, Navy yeah. SEAL, the epitome of what you want to be. And you thought that's the thing we, ha we all have to do. And so now you're pursuing a goal and you're not really pursuing it because it's not really your goal. So understand where you want to go is all about knowing what is it I really want? What does success really look like for me and help guide you? You got the five F's, faith, family, fitness, finances, and future possibilities. And then T is take action to get there. So some of us have goals. We have great vision. Um, we, we at least tell people what we want to do, but we don't actually do anything to get there. Like I knew somebody who wanted to be a pilot for like a decade never took a step to get there. Not a single math class, not a single flight lesson. Um, I think the furthest person got was getting flight simulator and setting it up on the Xbox or a computer. And that, that was it. So
Now, this person could have been a pilot by now. They still can be a pilot. They're not dead yet. Um, but until that person takes action to become a pilot, they're never going to become a pilot. Um, you know, for me, if I you know want to get back to my army weight, I got to take action to eat healthier. I got to take action to move about. Um, somebody called me out because I took a week off of rucking in the mornings. I'm like, dang it. He's on to me. Uh, and so I, I went out again this morning and started rucking again. I'm like, yeah, look who's back now, suckers. Um, so take action to get there. And in, in my book, I talk about some uh, techniques to help you achieve those goals, to build the habits that'll get you to achieve the goals that you set out to do. Because I'm I'm Mr. All over the place. You know, <laughs> how I'm telling my story here. It's like, what's he talking about now? Uh, anyway, so... I've learned over time that there are certain things I could do that'll help me um, stay on track. So uh, I learned from somebody named Sean Acor in the happiness advantage, the 22nd rule. Like if you want to enact and start a new habit, uh, one, attach it to something you're already doing. So like wake up in the morning, roll out of bed. Okay. That's probably where my workout clothes need to be. It's like, boom, I'm in those workout clothes done. Um, So what do I go next? I usually start to, a pot of coffee. Uh, well, what if the the next set of things I need to get ready to go out the door are there? And it's like, oh, wow, hey, I actually need to put on my gloves. I need to put my shoes on. So my shoes just happen to be there next to the station where I put my coffee together. And then um, it's like, okay, well, it's cold outside. I need to put a jacket on. And then right there's where the rucksack is, the jacket, the hat, the gloves, everything else. And I'm like, all right, cool. Well, well, there go all my excuses. Out the door I go. Boom. And an hour later, I'm back. I'm like, wow, I did it. And I put everything back in its place because everything took less than 20 seconds to implement. And then vice versa. If I want to cut back on junk food, I make it harder to get those. So those are in the back of the shelf, not in my line of sight. It's going to take like none of it's prepackaged. So I don't want to go through the work. So the 20 second rule is one of those things. And then um, what was another one? The Pomodoro technique. Have you heard of that? Uh, I've heard of it, but I'm not very uh, familiar with it. Oh man. So focus for me is a hard thing. Uh, uh, my daughter got diagnosed with ADHD and the pediatrician said, well, it's hereditary. So it's one of you mom and dad. And they immediately looked at me. I'm like, what? (laughs) So I still need to go get screened for it. But, uh, uh, one of the things the Pomodoro technique does is it puts on a timer for like 25 minutes and then a break for five minutes. And so you you decide right then and there, what's the one thing I'm going to work on during these 25 minutes. And you just do that. And so that means you got to shut everything off. Boom, 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 boom. Um, and then if you start straying away from that, it's like, Nope, boom back. Um, and for me, that works most of the time. (laughs) there are some days where it's 25 minutes of what did I not get done? But when the alarm goes off after 25 minutes, it snaps me out of it. I'm like, okay, five minutes regroup. What's the one thing, what do I need to take off of my plate or off my, my uh, computer screen? What browser windows do I need to close? So that when the next 25 minute window starts, I'm focused on that one thing. Uh, So that Pomodoro technique is another one. So, so taking action, uh, what are the daily so those are two techniques, um, 20 second rule, Pomodoro technique. Uh, but really, you know, what is the daily thing you got to do to build the momentum to get to where you want to go? So, yeah. Yeah. I love these, um, ideas. And so you talked about leveraging the five F's living beyond the rut, rut. And, um, I love this, uh, how you're making things acronym, but, um, you know, one problem with, um, corporations and companies a lot of people want to start their own company or self-employment is because of employee dissatisfaction and so talk about 
you're staking your leadership tent and yes. expelling employee dissatisfaction. Yeah. So, uh, you know, a twofer on that one. So setting out to be an entrepreneur, um, I would first tell folks, don't do what I did. You know, I, I left my job and then I was supposed to like take three months off, then go find another corporate job. But I realized at the end of the three months, I am not ready to go back to corporate life. And, but I want to help people in corporate life based on what I've learned. And what does that look like? So I spent the last seven or eight months designing the business I'm running in that I started to realize that what my team had gone through wasn't unique, that there were a lot of other teams that were uh, faced with uh, lower morale, lower engagement, and listening to senior leaders think about what, what could be the root cause. And they would say things like, well, it's because the workforce doesn't have the work ethic it used to have. And you're like, what? Or, um, oh, these people say they want work-life balance and they want hybrid and they want to work from home. But they need to be in the office because they're missing out on connection by not being in the office. Let's come on in. And so they're just making these sweeping decisions without including the people who are actually affected by the decisions, further driving disengagement, further driving that quiet quitting and driving people to their competition. And I thought that doesn't work. I know it doesn't work. And so what is it about my leadership style over the years that's worked going back to what I learned in the army? Uh, so the reason why I learned it in the army is because I wasn't a great leader in the army at first. Yes. <laughs> I got yelled at a lot. I got challenged to fights a lot. Um, it, it was the patience of leaders ahead of me that, that would pull me aside and say, Hey, you know, you're kind of being a stereotypical sergeant, not an actual sergeant, not an actual leader and put yourself in their shoes. What kind of leader would you want? And I'm like, Oh, well, I thought this is the way we had to do it. Somebody yelled at me. So I figured I had to yell at somebody else. I'm like, but you hated it. Right. And you, did you get it done? I'm like, yeah, in the moment. But then that leader has to spend the rest of the day or the week trying to find you. Right. I'm like, oh yeah, I learned how to hide. They're like, great. But think about the leaders you really love to follow. Do they lead like that? I'm like, no. And so it was like, great. So le servant leadership is something that I heard a lot about in the army. I applied it when I served in ministry and in my own corporate leadership life, but people would ask me, how do you, how do you define servant leadership? And I'm like, well, uh, it's like Simon Sinek says, you know, leaders eat last. That's something the military does. And I'm like, you can't frame it up, you know? It's, and, and so there, there are these seven pillars of servant leadership. I can never remember them. And I figured, well, if I can't remember them and I say I'm a servant leader, there's gotta be a better way. And that's where the tent came together. It was like, okay, military leadership, lots of servant type of style leadership there. Uh, a framework that's easy to remember, easy to use, tent, bam. So that's that's how tent became tent. Um, but the idea being that the fastest way to set up a tent is you stake out the corners first. That That's me landing this plane finally. So if you want to set up a tent, uh, tents are mobile. You take them where you need them to go. Uh, they're adaptable. So as the environment changes, you, you can change the configuration of the tent. Um, and then once it's set up, the environment you create on the inside provides a safe space for anybody who's in there so that they can thrive uh, versus what's outside the tent. And, and leaders today need to be a lot like that. They need to be mobile, meeting their employees where they are. Um, they got to be adaptable because the economy has definitely shifted in the last three to four years. And they got to provide this safe environment where uh, a, a culture uh, is thriving. And so uh, T-E-N-T -E stands for uh, the first one, T, uh, trust building. 
Uh, so doing the things that build trust with your people, E is empowering. So sharing your authority as a leader so that, um, you know, they can make decisions on their own N is navigating for success and T is thriving together. So uh, when we are recognized for a job well done, we're wanting to do more of that. Uh, when somebody's helping us navigate for our career success, uh, we want to stay with that leader because we're getting mentored, we're getting taught, we're getting opportunities. Uh, if I'm empowered to go do my job and make decisions on my own that are aligned with the company and my leader, I'm going to feel good about what I'm doing. I'm going to feel like I own a piece of the pie. And all that's built off of trust. So I just went through tent backwards as well. Yeah. So. Yeah, there you go. really, really interesting. So how can people contact you, check out your work? I know you're on social medias and how can they reach out to you and follow you? Uh, the best spot to go is my website, beyondtherut.com. Uh, there you'll find my podcast. You'll find uh, how to work with me through my BTR Impact mm -hmm. company. My social media links are all there. So beyondtherut.com. And if you want to set up some goals for yourself, beyondtherut.com slash goals, uh, download that free workbook and uh, create your own success. All right. And with all the listeners out there, let's thank Jerry for coming on really enthusiastic, passionate about what he's doing and, um, you know, changing lives, changing the world and, uh, all of his links will be in the resources. And, um, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. Oh, thank you, Chris. I appreciate this.